And welcome in to another episode of the Tell Me More podcast. This is actually going to be an interesting one because as a lot of people know, they come and listen to my podcast. I'm Mac Moore, and I usually have a certain topic. I have the NFL show. I have an NBA show that I haven't really done, so we'll pretend that doesn't really happen. Uh, And I have a wrestling podcast, but today this is going to be a really fun time because this is our first potpourri episode. We're just going to talk about random stuff. I'm going to pretend to be Joe Rogan for an hour and also going to introduce uh, a guy I've been wanting to collaborate with on podcasts for a while now, but haven't been able to. Brandon McNasty Pickens. Brandon, how's it going today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. Uh, this has been a long time coming. I am. I also- only talk to you about it every time we get drunk for hours on end and then a week later, we haven't recorded a podcast, and we get drunk again. But here we are. Here we are. We made here we it. Are. Here we are. And uh, fairly sober at that. That's crazy. We probably shouldn't have done that. That yeah. was a mistake. Yeah, should have got some whiskey. <laughs> but you know what? You know, uh, we can time, fix that. You learn things. You learn things. We might take a uh, halftime break and then uh, come back and uh, finish up this podcast uh, with a little bit different tone. Uh, Change the flavor there a little bit. So I'm I'm excited for this one. Uh, you know, we, we didn't even know what we were gonna do. Uh, we just knew we were going to record. And all I could think of was really excited when I saw uh, the 20th year anniversary of the release of the Slim Shady LP, Eminem's major label debut. And I it's good timing because uh, you know. Uh, a good day. I, I feel like uh, there's going to be something we talk about at the end of this where uh, you have uh, a, a really good uh, album out right now that you're you're a part of, and uh, you guys picked the wrong day. You did it like the day before, yep, so I do yep, have a bone just to waited. I do have a bone to 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 pick with your guy there. Uh, but we're, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, talking about the Slim Shady LP. Uh, first off, I'll just give the 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 quick description. Uh, I I love the genre that it's described as horrorcore. Horrorcore yeah, yeah. hip hop album, uh, and then it was described by Nathan uh, Rabin of the AV Club as surreal, ultra violent, trailer trash, post gangster rap extremism. Uh, is that supposed to be a negative or a positive? I love it. It sounds um, great to me. So the way I look at that is, it is neither a negative or a positive. It is purely a statement of fact. Like Fair this enough. is what you get. Um, and one of the things that makes it so iconic and what made it such a big deal is the fact that nobody was ready for that, especially at the mainstream from some blonde, blue-eyed guy. Like, nobody nobody saw that coming. And to be so effective and to be so skilled, um, I think I, I said before, it's like it's like lyrical gymnastics. The His ability to make sentences that would otherwise come off as sounding like the most crude, crass, obscene thing you've ever heard he has got it playing, he had it playing on the radio stations, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, jamming out in the car oh, yeah. to My Name Is, like, that's cool. He also had, considering how much pushback he had from an industry that definitely at the time did not have white artists, very few that you either have ones that break through the mainstream but have no... Uh, street cred, you know, a vanilla, vanilla ISIS. <laughs> and then you have, I mean, I don't even have names off the top of my head, but guys that were more underground at the time that got the the critical reception and got the, the street cred, but, but they were never, never get the mainstream love. Never even close. And for him to break through and to, to go up against kind of that wall and to also take a very uh, unorthodox approach to it 
particularly, you know, you're talking about that, like singing along with like little kids. Part of it is, you know, he, he had like a like lullaby rhythms to some of the 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 different songs that he had, and those were that much those worse. Are the, those are the worst ones because they sucked you in, and it's like, why does this sound like uh, you know, a kid's uh, rhyme? Oh, and he's raping his mom again. All and, right, and, the, and then the 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 co- the you know content took a uh, you know a very rough turn very quickly, and that sort of juxtaposition was. Definitely not seen. I like we're talking about mainstream. It wasn't seen in underground rap or most music. There's very. I, I think a good story is of Marilyn Manson was supposedly supposed to be on. Uh, uh, what is it? Which song? It was the I think '97 Bonnie and Clyde, and he said this was too far for him. He couldn't do it. That is he couldn't do fucking it. impressive. Do you know how <laughs> ridiculous you... Marilyn Manson is so hardcore that people legitimately believed that he removed two of his own ribs to blow himself. And he was like, nah, this Marshall dude is something else. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's... And you hear the same thing from people people across the hip-hop industry itself. It's like one thing that they they caught on to real real quick is uh as as the game put it in in that interview he was like hey uh, just don't fuck with the white boy leave leave that man be yeah it's it's i think the game meant that though in like a way that's like the way you talk about don't fight like a a eight-year-old girl or don't fight a girl at all it's like if you win you beat up a girl and if you lose which you just might you you got got beat beat up up by by a girl girl. so yeah uh don't mess with it particularly somebody like eminem who did have you know, it wasn't just that he was a white boy that walked through. People tried to like label him as that. It's like, oh, it's a gimmick. And it's like nobody. There were no other white boys that could do what he he did. He can't even do what he did anymore. Like no, it was no, a it was- a fire of three straight albums, and starting with this Slim Shady LP that just it it changed the course of forget rap music. Like it changed music the course in general. Of, it changed the course of pop culture. It changed the course. Uh, you know the discourse in this country about a lot of things, and it changed the way that people approach the content that they're allowed to put into their. Mu- it, I mean, yeah. it, it went to court for a reason. A court multiple times multiple over a times. lot of different di- different stuff, different people coming at him, and you know, it just set off. Uh, you know, conservatives and liberals oh, yeah, were getting together to figure off. out. Uh, how to have the correct level of whether it's censorship or just proper labeling of the CDs. Like it, it, it the got only person. It got people to history, work across the aisles. The only, the only person in the history of hip hop that I've seen fight that hard for hip hop at a legal level was Uncle Luke back in the early '90s. Because that 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 nigga was in court like <laughs> shit six seven times trying to get you know they were they were literally telling him that. He couldn't play a song in concert. They had the cops shut them down, arrest them, take everything because their content was considered too lewd. But at the end of the day, it's within his First Amendment rights. So he took them to court over and over and over again and fought tooth and nail to get it done. So without that happening, I don't think we get the opportunity to see because Marshall's immensely talented. I don't think he necessarily had to be as vulgar to get the job done. It definitely was an effective marketing strategy and a great way to look into that that persona, the little the little dark thought that's in the back of yeah. your head that you don't ever want to actually say out loud. He was like, I'm going to yell it out loud yeah. for everybody. And fuck you and fuck you and fuck you too. 
and it's just it it's inspiring how <laughs> something so so damning be so inspiring yeah. like just impressive yeah and i mean and that's like the positive take there's obviously a lot of critics who uh could take it a different way things like you know I forget the the critic specifically, but there was one guy who said basically that Eminem was profiting off the misery of the world. Uh, but he also brought, but isn't everybody else that's profiting? That that's true. And I think the other thing is that he brought a spotlight to miseries of the world. And like one of the biggest uh, you know things he got in trouble for with one of his interviews. Think of all the ridiculous things he said. But the thing he got in trouble for, uh, he was talking about uh, the Columbine shooting and how like it's a very touchy subject and people have looked at it you know from every angle. But you're not willing to look at it from the the kids' eyes who committed the atrocity. And when you don't look at it from their eyes, you don't see the you know the the hate that can build up when people are bullied. Now, obviously, the Columbine once you actually look at it, doesn't look like one of the kids was very bullied at all. Uh, he just happened to be a sociopath and he tricked a bullied kid into helping him. Uh, but when Which uh, in and of itself is another form of bullying yeah. for the kid in the first fucking place, being taken advantage of by somebody that you know, pro, uh, like proposed themselves to be a friend when in yeah. actuality they were just you know, using you as a tool. Yeah, I, I, and I think also when you just look at the way that he gave these kind of kids who were bullied a way to release aggression. Like everybody talks about it like, oh, look at the terrible stuff he said to do on his album. They, you know, they did it. They followed it. And it's like you could do the same thing with movies and say people did it. Video, violent video games. You talk about it all the time. But it seems more like... People have been violent pieces of yeah. shit for thousands of years. Ain't no video game or CD yeah. done a whole lot of anything to change that. Um, it seems like a people get their aggression out through the means of either listening to this music, creating music, creating art that, you know, people are angry where what's the outlet. And I think if more than anything else, I think when you look at there, there there's a lot of warts. So you can't just pretend there aren't problems. Uh, when you talk about the different, you know, lyrical misogyny and homophobia oh, in absolutely. the album. And there's a lot of stuff that, uh, doesn't hold up in today's society really shouldn't have held up in the society of which that this was album the, that came was out. the shock factor in and of itself is yeah. that um uh, it wasn't it wasn't about whether or not he truly felt these ways about these things it was him being able to literally just let some shit fly say yeah. say whatever he wants in whatever creative way he can to to worm his way into your ears and it worked I, I think another interesting thing was the the videos that uh, they made, which uh, are really funny because anything that we talk about, like this kind of subversive uh, album that Eminem's trying to get so across violent. to them, that he's trying to get to the mainstream. Uh, and the, the music videos were like corny. They were great. And you also have to edit the hell out of them. The stuff you play on the radio, a lot different than what is uh, on the album. And then some of these are really funny. I just wanted to bring up one specific one was uh, Guilty Conscience. Oh, which yeah. How they even tried to turn that into a single that you have a video for is hilarious to begin with. And they did it. So they start out and one, they don't even get the guy who uh, played the narrator on the album. I think his name's Mark Avery. And uh, for the video, it's like, oh, we're doing a video. We need to get somebody who is a big name. They didn't even get a big name. They just get a guy who was a name. Uh, they get Robert Culp, who is best known for his 60s TV show, I Spy. Uh, 
Dig it, dig it. Which, I had no uh, idea who that guy. I recognize his voice. Also starred uh, Bill Cosby, which uh, is depressingly ironic when you think of the song's content. Yep, uh, very. <laughs> so very. There, there's a middle verse in there uh, involving Eminem being the the devil on the shoulder, uh, telling the guy to slip a drug into a young girl's drink, and that part stays in the edited version that's on the video. Which, honestly, uh, in hindsight, am very surprised that. I, um, what's what's M's lawyer's name? Paul. Yeah, Paul, Paul Rosenberg. Paul Rosenberg had to be working double time. So, do you want to hear what stayed on that edited version? So later they do get rid of. Uh, uh, they hit that shit raw dog and bail becomes. You, you want to hear the fix? Drop her off, ring the doorbell, and bail. And it's like this is you didn't. That's get not rid even of, the lyric I remember. You didn't even get rid of the date rape drug part. You just got rid of, of the raw dog. Yeah. Like, so at, at least so wear not, a condom if you're going to date rape somebody, according to according to the censors. I uh, guess. And as if they had uh, fixed the suburban subversive nature of that song, they were just like, "Hey, Tipper Gore, you can back off now. We fixed this." Uh, later on, they changed. It's a you know f a divorce. Uh, you know, cut this, you know, bitch's head off, becomes chicken's head off. That was the solution that was of the solution. talking about don't get a divorce, that is basically cut the head off your a wife. synonym <laughs> within ebonic culture. Yeah. If I call you a chicken, I'm I'm basically calling you a bitch without... Even if it wasn't, even if it was just a random word in the book, it's like, it, the the lyric is about cutting her head off. That was the censorship you and need. And you like, still got it. The B word too far. We're going to have to back up a little right, bit. Go, whoa, back whoa, up whoa, a little there. bit. So just seeing that, that definitely uh, was very interesting to kind of see him like push the boundaries. But it's almost like he was doing it so much. It was a mile a minute. So many things coming. They didn't even they know what things to cut. They just had to like arbitrarily pick and be like, I don't know. Let's get rid of this one. And it like tones it down a little they bit. I don't keep know. Up with him. Uh, it's just crazy. And then, you know, we're talking about the Slim Shady LP, but then you go to the Marshall Mathers LP. And I remember when it came out. Songs like Kill You, I, Kim. Kim. Kim was, Kim didn't, whoa. Kim didn't make the, uh, like, edited version. Like, they got rid of the song. They just cut the song all They together. got rid of it and replaced it with the kids, which was just, you know, this cutesy crossover with the wholesome and lovable South Park characters. Definitely, definitely didn't remain extremely offensive at all. It's almost Good as fix. if they missed the purpose of their own. All like, they knew is you can't ha- you can't like graphically describe the murder of your wife that you know is still alive and is a real person. Uh, you you can't do that, but we can have other like equally messed up lyrics and content. Uh, they it just so crazy what they could and could not do, and I think that's another thing that will impact today is just what to cut out really they just gave up with eminem and like every rap album since then it's just like i don't know we're gonna get rid of these six curse words and we're gonna because everything else is just just let it it's it's just too much too much we can't stop it uh so that that's interesting i'm trying to see if there's anything else we want to talk about with uh the the slim shade i mean obviously the we talked about a little bit uh with uh white boys uh breaking through just is is Eminem getting that what he called? I don't know if he called it with Dr. Dre, but it, he definitely called it with uh, proof when he got him into the Detroit rap scene. Was uh, he was his ghetto pass? Uh, did that sort of idea of having a ghetto pass? Like, how important was, is that? It was very very necessary. Um, part of part of you know his big his whole story is you know that Eight Mile Road and. Yeah. His his connection to the culture is different than someone who's like, you know, 
I went to high school and hung out with my black friends, started listening to hip hop, started rapping. He was he was already in he was in it. Like he's in the hood. This is his life already. And I guess at, at some point there has to be, you know, almost a almost an, an extra chip on your shoulder because people don't want you involved in something that you feel like you have every right to. But they said there there are others who just immediately like, nah, he's white. There's no reason he should be he's not invited. But the fact is, he wasn't invited. He was already there. There's not. There's no invitation to extend. Um, he's always been. This is weird to say the word respectful while thinking about Eminem's music, but he's, <laughs> he's always been respectful of the culture yeah. itself. Like he respects the game. He respects the the people. Um, and shit, he he knows that the only reason that he sell sells the way he does is because of what he looks like. Yeah. He got. A, he got a. He was the first one who got to work both ends. I I forget what song is. I know there's a lyric where he basically describes that, where it's like, you know, I, I get the benefit of selling because I'm white. It's like that was not the benefit up until it was the benefit, you know. Uh, but initially, it's like, you know, he gets the benefit. You got to break that ceiling. You got to break that ceiling. He, he gets the benefit of Dr. Dre uh, vouching for him, which showing is that the he's greatest a legitimate ghetto rapper. pass you can yeah. you can ask for because who's who's a more iconic producer than Dr. Dre? I mean, nobody, but although I guess there is an argument that at the time, uh, Dre was on like the slip there where he was trying to prove himself. So it was very important that he had Eminem there to to show that he wasn't going to keep striking out with the, the you know, music he was producing and not getting any big names signed. Uh, so they, they, they helped each other. But also on the, the other side for Eminem was, yeah, he did have that white audience that other rappers wouldn't have. So it wasn't a benefit until it was a benefit. And it was a big freaking benefit because he got both sides. The, the content itself, he is not rapping about what other rappers are rapping about. Yeah. Nobody is. No. Right. <laughs> Nobody's even talking about these things. Very few people are thinking these things. <laughs> but the people that are, or the, the people that weren't, are now. Yeah. So it's stuff like so. It. I think we went full circle to start with. Ah, they overreacted, and it was just it's it, it's music, and it's fine until the end where it's like maybe he did screw up society. Never mind, because he got people thinking things they probably shouldn't yeah, have been thinking. Probably wouldn't have, probably <laughs> wouldn't have gone there mentally. But at the same time, um, it's important to it's important to explore those those thoughts and because otherwise they they come catch you when you're not looking for them, and that's not good for anybody. That's true. Uh, real quick, uh, before we move on to a different uh, topic, what's your uh, favorite song from the Slim Shady LP? That is tough. It is tough. That is tough. Um, it's got to be between Bad Meets Evil. Good stuff. And shit, my name is. It's it's, it's so iconic. Yeah. It It literally... The that beat because Dre Dre showed his ass on that beat. Eminem's ability to say whatever he wants in a way that you would never expect it to be delivered to you in the first place. And then we're talking about his music videos. That music video is hilarious. <laughs> it's so campy and it's it's in such offset with the actual content of what's going on in in the song um feel a similar way when you look at the the next album well uh, with the slim shady please stand up it just it it at no point do the visuals seem to be 
as dark and scary as the actual lyrics. And hell, most of the time, the beat isn't as dark and scary as the lyrics. And Dre does a pretty good job of getting dark with the beats when he needs to. Um, it's something about something about his. It's it's like he he shows you an apple and you bite the apple and you taste an orange and it is nuts. That's that's perfect. Uh, I mine's I, it's very tough for me because I think if I'm taking the the song that like sticks with me the most and like if I listen to you know I I went back through the album listened a couple times over the the last week or so and. 97 Bonnie and Clyde is just one that like it it screws with you because you could take it so many ways like it's so over the top ridiculous that you know you you don't buy into it in terms of the reality when you're talking about like oh it's offensive talking about like murdering his wife this and that like you don't take it at face value he's created this heel character like uh, to, to use my wrestling terminology this bad guy that he is that it's like it's it's so much a performance and it's more you know, he wants you to react to it more like it's a it's a movie than it is a, just a regular right, right. record. It's like you can you'll you'll it's like you'll hate him, but people still buying these t shirts. Like, yeah, he can he's a a villain, but he's still people's favorite character. He's their favorite villain. People love heels, and that song is Gotta one good heel. But then if you try to take it, you know, at any level of like not not that you know you think he's gonna kill his wife or whatever, but just kind of like the anger that somebody could have towards a significant other that you have a kid with and you know you're you're just dealing with all these emotions and when you're you're talking about like the the way that it is like we talked earlier about the nursery rhymes and it has that you know he's he's like doing the baby talk to his little girl and then they got his daughter to actually do like the coos in there that she's like mm-hmm. it's like you hear it and you're like well that's interesting that they did that it's like that's his actual daughter that they got in the studio in the to do studio it. for so the song. you know uh also great job with the the body dragged across the sand at the beginning whoever is doing the sound effects uh nailed it at the beginning of that but it's so much that when you hear it and you think of it more on a closer to a real level it's, it's painful. dark it is it, it, it's tough to, to listen to so that one's up there i think rock bottom is probably one that like i think personally for me it just kind of that it's very exists. and it's very simple it's like the simplest one of any of the songs on there uh but i think he wrote it like after he actually got fired from his uh fast food job and so this one is like when he's talking about all these things that are kind of uh you know big ideas or like things that are not him he's created this character that's probably the the one that's the closest to him just being him him reacting to what's happening around him and it's you know it has it's like one little glimpse of marshall during all the slim shady yeah what less vulgarity than i mean still a lot but less (laughs) less than normal and just kind of his reaction to you know you know people uh you know, being shitty, not being real friends, like all of that stuff. And, you know, it's almost like he had to do all the other craziness to to make sure you could hear this, the the real personal side. So for me, I'd probably go with Rock Bottom. Uh, but there's just so many good stuff. Like, you can't really go wrong. Like, I don't think if anybody told me, they're, like, you couldn't go down the list, pick your favorite song, and I'd tell you, why the hell did you like that one? Like, they're, each they're one. All... And that's one of the other great things. It wasn't just, like, singles. There's a lot of good albums where... Four great singles, and then you know some people like this, some people like that. Up and down that album, just through. just fire the whole time. So uh, really good. Uh, I I was really glad we could get together to talk about that. I was also really glad uh, that there was uh, some more new uh, rap for me to listen to. Uh, there was an album just dropped, uh, Notepad Nomads, and 
Uh, Brandon, I'll let you uh, do the pitch right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your boy, MOT Barefoot, just really, really went to town. Uh, every single one of these tracks is produced by him. Uh, it's just, it's incredible. We got some vocal samples from uh, Julia Hendrickson, uh, his homegirl Gwen. Um, got Don LaFlame on here. It's the album is just incredible. You can check it out on SoundCloud, MOT Barefoot, uh, on YouTube as well, MOT Barefoot. The album Notepad Nomads dropped on the twenty second, and we are just going to going to town. Yeah, a day he's a day, he was a day off. He was he should he should have done February twenty third, and just the same day as the the Slim Shady LP. Had to get ahead of it. Had to you get know ahead what? Of it, he won. Got to be the best album that was released on February twenty second. So that maybe it's a better plan to go with what he did. Yeah, I it wasn't is, about to run into. What 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 game say don't fuck the white boy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I've I've listened through. It is a a really good album and uh, local artists. So uh, you know, uh, it's not often you get to listen to local artists. And I've heard different people. You know, the rappers from Lawrence, and I don't listen to a lot of uh, their mixtapes. So uh, I don't know if that's me being a hater. Uh, but I did listen to this album, and it's really good stuff. Uh, I can't recommend it anymore. Uh, next up, we're gonna transition. I don't know how this is gonna go because uh, I've not had politics or anything on uh, any of my podcasts. I stay away from that. You know uh, certain things about me where I, there, there's a certain uh, audience for my podcast that uh, <laughs> are not happy if I start talking too much politics. Uh, but we we will jump into this because it's just a good news. It's just a good news story. Uh, Jesse Smollett uh, of Empire. Uh, this is a month-long saga that I'm actually probably just going to have you explain because uh, I went back to to check on some of the, the stuff for our recording to make sure I don't sound like an idiot coming into it. But I didn't see this story when it first came out. Like I, I didn't see it until it was already kind of like, um, the, they're starting to think it might be a hoax. Uh, yeah, this was this was just, this was knuck and futz, man. <laughs> um, so first first and foremost, of all of the people in all of Chicago to have to have jump you, why would you go pay two Nigerian dudes? Why couldn't you go pay a couple of white dudes? They were already on the to, set, you know. You got it right, like easier, but also easier to get caught. I'm 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 still very very lost on the logic there. Um, essentially, he. Uh, allegedly paid a couple of guys to jump him and pour bleach on him. Uh, yeah. Uh, and you want me to do the rundown, the quick little thing I have here to explain yeah, to the audience what's happening? What you got? So uh, about a week before the alleged attack, a letter arrives at the Fox studio where Empire is filmed. The letter, which was later published by TMZ, contained a homophobic death threat against Smollett and spelled out in a just like cut up letters from like a magazine classy uh the envelope said maga uh it's you know it's like the person who uh wrote it tried to make it look like a ransom letter or like a, a serial killer letter uh but it looks more like a fifth grader drew it uh none of which would dispel the idea that a maga person sent it uh <laughs> but <laughs> so then the attack uh january 29th uh smollett says two men approached him near a chicago apartment around 2 a.m shouting racial and homophobic slurs they poured an unknown chemical on him and wrapped a noose around his neck yelling this is maga country now for a lot of people your spidey senses might have gone off because uh this sounds exactly like every story about old white people finding uh black lives matter like spray painted on their garage and you know whatever uh right it's, it's like 
Um, you're not speaking in the same language of the people that you're talking about. Right. Probably uh, do some research on the people first. So uh, they, they, you start to wonder. It's, like, it's not impossible. It's not that you don't believe this happened. But you start to wonder. Your eyebrow gets raised a little bit. So the police continue the investigation, and they're looking for two guys that they have on camera, but they don't see the attack. It's like outside of it. Uh, but they're looking for these two guys, and they end up finding these two Nigerian brothers, both of which work on the side of Empire. And... At this point, uh, from what the police are telling us, they allegedly told detectives that Smollett paid them to participate in the attack, uh, although the accounts are conflicted there. Uh, the check was signed for uh, training uh, to get in shape for a music video whatever. Of course, you also wouldn't sign fake uh, you know, hate crime attack into the memo right. of the check. Uh, but it, it's, it, it's up in the air about what those uh, Nigerian brothers specifically said to the police, did they say this was the payment for that? I also want to note for the record, this is Chicago PD. <laughs> so even if I did have all the questions in the world about yeah. what what happened with Jesse, I don't trust the Chicago PD no. for jack squat. They literally have their own black site. No, I'm yeah. cool. So uh, at this point, still waiting to figure it out. And, you know, if they're going, they, they end up uh, charging him with uh, disorderly conduct for uh, filing a false police report. It's good. You know, it's going to go to court. He's going to have to felony, deal with it. That's a felony, isn't it? Uh, yes, felony count. Uh, so we're going to have to see what happens there. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't look good Maybe for him. Maybe they let the white half of him get off without, <laughs> like, like with some, you know, therapy or something like that. We'll have to see, but it is, it's a crazy story. And I guess, you know, the, the main thing to talk about is, you know, what does this do? Because obviously, if it is true that he fabricated this hate crime, obviously, and, you know, the first thing I saw, which just made me so freaking upset, was the idea. It's like the comparison, like, well, fake hate crimes, you know, like, Smollett and Trayvon Martin. It's like, oh god damn it! Like whoa, it's already jumped whoa. a shark very quickly. <laughs> another thing that that I cannot like, I cannot reiterate enough. Even if he did fake the whole thing, it does not detract from people who have had yeah. things happen to them and fucking will in the future because this is where we are. And for that to be the the go-to narrative oh he he made that up clearly this entire thing is just is racism just racism is solved in america there are no other uh racist attacks there's no, no other uh systematic racism no because homophobic attacks or anything like that none be, of that ever happened. because he he made this one up so they're all they're all null and void at this gay point. bashing is not a real <laughs> term that this country uh utilizes Did, didn't happen no no never so yeah, that is then, and that's the crazy thing, and that's sad that that's like the only real big takeaway. There's there's not much else to do about this, and the other weird thing is, you know, the comparison to like uh, Ryan Lochte when he made up the story in Brazil, which there, you know, and I, it it seems weird because that one he got into an altercation at a gas station, and you know they were tearing up the bathroom or whatever, and they 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 all get in trouble. And so it makes sense that the next move is to make up some bullshit to cover your ass. Oh, it wasn't me. It was them. We got robbed. Like, th th that's what happened. Like, Which you know, and like also in and of itself is hella harmful because there's already this this narrative that, you know, um, South American countries are, are dangerous and whatnot. Yeah. When in actuality, the only dangerous motherfuckers there were the Americans. <laughs> 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 I, I saw what, uh, probably the, the greatest thing I've ever read said, uh, 
most of the rape is coming from Mexico, just frat boys coming back from spring yeah. break. <laughs> and yeah, like that that sort of uh, just attitude. Luckily, that was dispelled very quickly, so it didn't get that much time uh, to kind of build up. But like, uh, mo- mostly I bring it up for the comparison to Smollett, where. I don't know what the benefit was. I mean, the meme going around now, or like, it's not even a meme. That's what they're trying to say was the idea was that he was trying to increase his pay on yeah, Empire. That's, that's what that's what I that's what I hear. It's like there, there's got to be easy, that doesn't seem like the best. There's got to be easier ways. Yeah, there's got to be some better uh, better route. You to talking uh, to your boss. Like, it just it, it doesn't quite make sense. And then you know the the other weird thing is he was on and I forget the show, uh, but there's some other show that he was doing that had a very similar storyline, and that makes more sense if you're trying to connect dots here. And it's mm-hmm. just he got that idea in his head for some reason. He thought. You know that that's what the world needed was him to be this uh, you know martyr or something, and uh, you know that makes more. But the idea that it was like, well, I need to pay a raise, so maybe I need to fake a hate crime to raise my celebrity level. I don't, I don't, I don't quite follow also, the whole I'm trying thing. Trying to figure out how people are so bad at getting other people money without getting yeah. caught immediately, like. Also, when did Chicago PD start solving cases within days? Um, we still, we still missing dozens of black girls up there that ain't nobody heard from or, or probably will hear about, but they found these two Nigerian brothers lickety split. Yeah, there was a, and that's a tough one for me because I don't know how much to blame, uh, the police and be like, well, you, when you decide to care about a case, like you also kind of have to decide to care about a case when national media is hounding you over finding this out very quickly. Uh, you kind of have to put more of your uh, forces on it. But it would be great if they could solve other crimes uh, a little bit more efficiently. A lot bit more efficiently. <laughs> at all, if they could solve other crimes. These things are tough, though. Like I will. Chicago had 50 people get shot in the course of about 24 hours uh, yeah. just, what, yesterday? Just way i will try my best to play devil's advocate which is that uh solving these crimes are really freaking hard and uh from there i i'm more worried about kind of the the kind of like attitude that comes from like well you know it's like you know we're not screwing up but like instead it should be like we're really focused on doing this and it just doesn't seem like there's a prerogative of the Chicago Police Department no sense to, urgency. to to actually fix these things where on the other side is like if they weren't successful in solving a lot of these crimes these crimes are really hard to solve in most big cities uh, but you know it's it just sort of like the direction you just don't feel like that's kind of their uh, you can tell focus it's not their priority so I mean that, that, and that we've already went too far off the the topic for me to to keep up with it. I do not have enough information for us <laughs> to have uh, and all the statistics for the Chicago Police Department right now. Uh, so we we we've already gone out of uh, my my range of knowledge. So we'll go back into my range of knowledge, which is we're gonna talk about sports for a little bit. Uh, we're gonna talk first off. We'll just do NBA because it's NBA season. Uh, there's an interesting NFL story, but there's not too much NFL story. So right. we'll, we'll wait for that for, for a second now. Uh, but NBA is uh, really exciting because right now, when we, we we talked about this the last time we were we were out drinking and we just looked up at the game and we were watching uh, the, the Lakers have to do a crazy comeback. Uh, but that was just to stay uh, in the stay playoff alive. race. They're and, three games back as of now. And uh, they end up losing uh, – 
just the other night to uh, the New Orleans Pelicans without Anthony Davis. Which is hard. And then they also lost to, uh, I believe, the Memphis Grizzlies as well. Yeah, so they're not having a good time. And right now, at 29 and 31, just, is it possible? Could, Could the Lakers miss the playoffs and LeBron... He goes from never missing a finals to now he's uh, not even going to play into uh, May. This is the thing. This is the thing. I don't see. I'm not going to say the NBA is rigged or nothing, (laughs) but they're not they're not doing a playoffs without LeBron. It's not it's not a thing. That's just not how their it's not how their money goes. Maybe he wants to do this though. Maybe LeBron has figured out like I I've been playing deep into playoffs every year. I've been going to the finals for, you know, 8 years straight. It's and been paid ridiculous. handsomely for it. Maybe I need one off season where I actually get a summer that I'm not breaking down my body. I'm old. I need I need uh, some time off. We ain't good anyways. We the, we make the playoffs. Fair. We ain't, we ain't gonna beat anybody that matters in the West. Right? Because if you go in, you go in as the one. You go in as the eight seed. That means you're playing against either Golden State or it's just Golden State at this point. It's Golden State. That, so yeah. you need to get you're to seven. Swept. You need to swept. get you need to get to seven just so that you can still have the Nuggets make you look like shit. If you hey, get maybe you to, get five games. If you get to six, you're going to face a Thunder right now that I don't know if they can compete for a championship, but they Russ and Paul George, out of them. they are going to mess you up. So <laughs> maybe you don't want to make it. Maybe you just want that time off and know going, sit this we're going to go into next year. We're going to do whatever we can to try Start to bring Anthony Davis in. Things. We're going to you know look at different free agents. They have the ability not only to potentially trade for Anthony Davis in the offseason, but to uh, open up cap space to get a third player. So really, that's... I think they can afford two max. Yeah, barely. They got to, I think it, it depends on what they do with uh, Contavious Coldwell Pope, which we, at this point, Pope is, uh, you know, you got him on there uh, at 14 million or something ridiculous. And you just assumed it was like because he's part of clutch sports and that's, that's the reason you have him. But also, at 14 million, when that comes off the books, whenever, it's like we gave you more money than you were worth on the open market to come here and suck. But once it's, Ready, contracts up. you're you gone, and we're going to bring in Anthony Davis, who's also, you know, is he with Clutch Sports now? I, I forget what what the exact uh, yes, is. Yes, I so, do believe so. So all, all the pieces are lining up, and even the idea of, like, a reunion with Kyrie Irving, which sounds crazy, but if it's Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving with LeBron James. That is that is a whip right there. So, that is as dangerous as as any any three you can come up with. That's as scary as what he had going on in Miami. Uh, scarier even because he's smarter now than he was then. Um, Kyrie's not as old as D. Wade was, and Anthony Davis is just plain better than Chris Bosh. There's no two ways about that. And it's an interesting one because I always, whenever I can, uh, try to uh, pump up Chris Bosh's uh, – rating his q rating uh he's always thought of uh a little bit lower than what his actual output was like his output was really good and it went down when they were in miami well i mean he came over from toronto his numbers were crazy up there and obviously they go down when you get to miami you got to split the ball with Dwayne wade and lebron james you know obviously d wade was not taking the backseat that's his team that was his team in the first place lebron is taking a backseat to no one he is not taking a backseat to the damn coach yeah so Chris Bosch kind of knew what it was, but he knew he was about to get some rings out of it. He also knew that, I mean, his job is not always on the offensive end. As a defensive presence, 
it is underrated how much he kind of fit the mold of what we're seeing from like the five man now. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, I before that even happened. Force. <laughs> so like the way he fit that mold and was able to be a rim protector while fitting that and being able to not slow down your offense. He couldn't quite shoot threes at that moment, but he was getting better at it and he was able to step out. You had to guard him. Oh yeah. And yeah. You know, you, I, at 18 foot, he's still, he was dangerous at 18. I feel like Chris Bosch doesn't get the respect he deserves, but, there's without question, Anthony Davis is all of the things that Chris Bosch is uh, plus better. plus a hundred spot. So, uh, <laughs> but it, like having that and then figuring out the Kyrie, like I don't know what Kyrie can do, and in this year, kind of like his uh, rating is kind of taking a hit when you see that he was coming onto a Celtics team that found a way to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals without him, without Gordon Hayward. Now they're both back, and they're somehow worse. Which still does not make a lick of sense. Can someone explain to me how Gordon Hayward is so damn good, but for some reason, I get no productivity out of this guy? It, it, not much out of Kyrie, although they're starting to, to put it on here late. And maybe they can become that team. It just you know took a little while to get there. But if Kyrie at his best is like a version of like Steph. Like he can meet a lot of the same criteria. The problem is, same thing with Steph, where he has all these guys around him that can play the defensive roles, and then he compliments them with his range. Kyrie Irving's going to need those people around him. And I think having LeBron and Anthony Davis is that. Now, how many pieces do you have to give up to get Anthony Davis? Uh, could could change whether the Lakers go say, from you, you bottom to the top. I don't think you get Anthony Davis and manage to keep Kuzma at the same time. I don't know. It looks like they're going to have to give up Kuzma. They're going to have to give up Ingram. Like they, they're going for everything. Actually, they're going they, for broke. they asked every, for everything but LeBron. They might have asked for LeBron. I don't know what they did, but uh, <laughs> well, they can't was, give you LeBron. That's <laughs> the purpose. That was the, the, the whole point. Uh, but yeah, like figuring Kuzma's that going to be a star in this league also. Kuzma's really good, but they're, they're going to have to give up all of them to, to, to get Anthony. But it's Davis. probably for the best though. If he goes, he's going to go someplace where he can shine. Yeah. Um, cause the fact of the matter is LeBron's there. You second fiddle. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, best. that's just a statement of fact. So, uh, we, we talked a really long time about a team that won't even make the playoffs. Uh, what's been your favorite story from this NBA season? What's the favorite, what, what's the thing that you're looking at that just keeps you entertained with the NBA right now? Um, well, one thing that's that's always entertaining is uh, the you know the re- the retirement tours of, yeah. of different uh, different greats and whatnot. Uh, we got the unofficial Dirk Nowitzki retirement tour. You saw uh, they're making him do the retirement tour. And Dirk's <laughs> like, I'm gonna play next year. What are you guys talking <laughs> no, no, about? No, 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 no. They're Dirk, like, you can't even walk fine. next year, Dirk. Sit down. Sit down. He's, he's the greatest the greatest Euro, Euro player to come over. Um, and now uh, he's getting to play with Luca, who's going to try to challenge him long term for that I am title. I'm so excited to watch Luca learn from Dirk because Dirk, other than Tim Duncan, I don't think I've ever seen a better basketball mind than Dirk Nowitzki. He is just he he might not be the the fastest or the strongest, but the simple fact of the matter is he is better at basketball than you are, and that is that is just that. Even more exciting than just helping Lucas now that they've traded to get Kristaps uh, Porzingis, who's injured right now. But if you get a year, that's going to be there. If their you get Dirk. a year of Dirk working with him, turning, just getting him with the same shot coach, he could just talk to that man on the phone a couple times yeah. a day. That'll turn him because Kristaps Porzingis has one of the highest ceilings. 
look how good he did, and he was playing for the train wreck that is the New York Knicks. Like, God, how is that franchise still alive? Like, they sell out MSG to go like nineteen and twenty two or, or nineteen yeah. and thirty two on a season. People really like, like to go to games to watch the other team, so they <laughs> that's what they're there for. Oh, my favorite team's coming to New York. We can check them out. It's rough. So, so yeah, uh, I I don't know with that move uh, what <laughs> whether that helps the Knicks at all. Uh, the answer is it doesn't. But Chris, it helps Kristaps Porzingis. It gives him a year there. And yeah, no, that that might actually be the best story. Is one that's not even fully there yet. It's just first we get to watch Luca on a team that doesn't have much else. He gets to be the guy. They get Dennis Smith uh, out of there while he he's got a future. He's not what uh, Luca is. And if he he needs the ball to 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 play to his best potential, you're taking the ball out of Luca's hands, and, and that's, that's the guy. Just irresponsible. So they got <laughs> him out. They got him out of there. They're going to get the growth with Luca, and eventually he'll get Chris Stapps Porzingis. It's actually better that Porzingis isn't healthy right now because that's more time that Luca gets to be the guy. He gets to keep trying to expand. How far can I go as the one guy? And then we get to see when Chris Stapps gets back. How do they work together? And My guess is it's going to be buttery smooth. Numbers go up like crazy. They're already pretty freaking high. I'm like, saying they're they're still going to go up because. There's a Chris Stapps Porzingis down there. He's he's in like the the 28 like six and six range as a rookie. He's 19. That's that's 19. stupid. That's he doesn't even speaking he doesn't of, have facial of hair these yet. Young boys doing the most. Can we talk about uh, Giannis? Ooh, Mister Andetekumbo. Uh, see, yep, no, I'm a, I'm a butcher it every time. I don't know you. You were closer than anybody that's ever had. Like I was assuming you'd come in with like an Andetekumbo, and they just like that's actually not how you say it. Andetekumbo. <laughs> Like it, like you have to take time. You can't actually learn it. Like there's no like, like you sometimes you said it after a while and you get smooth. That is like no, you have to stop yourself and tell you what Run these, all letters, these letters down. And, and most of the letters aren't even in the word. He has every letter in the alphabet in his name, and somehow none of them are the ones that are pronounced in his name. It's a it's a good Impressive. time, but Impressive. but Giannis is. Uh, Oh my God, he That's is my MVP. He is a scary individual. It, it's tough because you know we just talked about Anthony Davis, who when he's out, you, you're not going to end up winning the MVP. But his efficiency numbers are off the chart right now. Crazy. But right there behind him is Giannis, who you know everybody talked about it. You know we'll still see how it plays out in the playoffs. But right now, when you're talking about a guy who is basically playing like the version of LeBron without a jump shot, and just raw power and. It works. They found a way to get all the shooters around him to turn that. Like, I don't know. Like, we knew Giannis would be good, and we knew he'd keep them in the conversation out east, particularly with LeBron gone. Being the best in the east? 46 and 14, and particularly Kawhi going up to Toronto on a team that was loaded. And, you know, it's not like they're they're failing right now. It's not like they're having a hard time. They're not messing with these. They're not keeping up with the Bucs right now, and I don't think a lot of people thought that. I thought a lot of people thought it was going to be Celtics and 76ers, and then, oh, Raptors get Kawhi. They're going to fight. We're going to kind of see where they fall in line. And Bucs just came in and said, we're better than all of you. Do you know what is exciting, though? Watching the East be competitive again. That's true. Only at the very top. Only, the, Only at the very top. The, like, top. Everything under five is just... Top four spots, and then... Or actually, it's five right now, but uh, the Pacers are 40 and 21 without uh, Oladipo, so that's just going to keep going down, down, down. Uh, but yeah, so now it's back down. Four teams, and everybody else sucks. Uh, but it's better those, than it had been. Yeah, that's true. It was like one team, and then occasionally somebody came up to get bitch slapped by LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. I, I I mean I enjoyed it. You I thought take it was a fun. turn holding his jock strap. <laughs> That's basically basically what it was boiling down to. And now 
it also it hurts to see LeBron struggle so bad. It hurts. However, I'm a Bulls fan, man. I'm not losing <laughs> sleep over this. <laughs> yeah, Bulls are doing good. Oh yeah, That'd yo, top tier. What are we like a uh, seventeen and thirty or something? That sounds about right. Uh, I, it's no, weird when I that. sixteen and forty five. Mm, uh, the thing is, when I see them make moves, I always think for a second. I'm like. Maybe that's a good move. And then I remember who's the GM and who's the owner. So then I was like, oh, never mind. Maybe not. You know, you, you make these moves where you try to get, you know. They literally took the same Bulls team, put them in Minnesota, and they were fine. Got Chris Dunn. Not going to do it. Zach Levine. All right, got it. You the, took a flyer. I'm not going to do it. Wendell Carter Jr. looked promising. For a uh, moment. I just don't at this Same point. Same thing with Lauren Markinen. I don't know if it's Carter's fault. I'm gonna blame. Uh, I'm gonna blame Chicago. I'm gonna say that at this point they've just got them in a no-win situation, and even the guys who might turn into something, not gonna turn in there. Not, at, not with the way. At this rate, our best bet is to just go ahead and hope for that. Uh, hope for a good sweet spot in that draft lottery. So I they 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 keep taking guys who like are you see the talent. Mm-hmm. You see potential skill set, but like it's the silhouette of the skill set. Like they haven't reached that like level yet, but you know it's there. You know it's possible. They're not drafted complete players. And then they bring them in, and they crush their spirits. Like you know, you take you talk about Laurie Marketing, but you also have they just went and got Otto Porter Jr. Right? Mm-hmm. That's another guy that you like look at, and he's like, okay, he has to play behind, uh, you know, Bradley Beal and John Wall in uh, Washington, but he's very efficient, can shoot threes, can play defense. Uh, they're but, you know, at the end of the day, he's not in a role where they're going to push him to his limit. It's like Victor Oladipo in uh, Orlando. You know, Orlando and then uh, in OKC before he gets traded out to Indiana. Once, then, once he, gets he gets his Indiana, team, once he gets his team, he can get there. Now, I think Otto Porter Jr. might be that guy. I'm just worried that while Indiana gave him the ability to shoot up and Victor Oladipo becomes this superstar player. I don't think Chicago. I think Chicago is gonna suck that life out of support, him. He's not gonna have the support I, system I, around him. I, I think. I think they're he's just gonna, gonna try real, real hard. I think he'll they're gonna tear have it away from him. Games and that'll be about it. So uh, that's that's exciting for your team, the Bulls. Yeah, it is. It is terrifying. That's um, why I'm like uh, being a, this uh, Lawrence Jayhawk fan. Like I just I just watch Jayhawks in the NBA. Yeah. Speaking of Jayhawks, uh, what is what is going on with them? You got over got over K State, but. They're not, they're, the last couple weeks have been. It's not just a couple weeks. They can't play on the road. This team is. Uh, it's night and day. Which you know, playing it out in Fieldhouse, you're gonna win like most better. of the time. Uh, in this case, they just can't get that road victory. They've won twice, and one of them was uh, I think like, TCU, and it's just it's not good. And like they haven't played well. It's not even winning on the road. Like normally, this is the Bill Self formula, which is win always at home. And then on the road, you're turning these into coin flip games. And in the Big 12, if you can even come out 50-50 and you can win some of these, You'll win out you're the in it. And instead, they're 2-7 and seven on the road right now or something like That's that. That's not going to do. And Down they, like four or five starters or something like that. They're never even in the games. They When they go on the road, it goes like the switch. You know, People always talk about turn, flipping the switch on. That flip gets switched straight off. And it, it's tough because, yeah, they are missing guys. They lost, you know. You don't expect an offense to be that good when uh, you built it around, you know, Doke, Azubuki, and, and he's, nope. he's gone, so you got nothing. Uh, people talk about losing Silvio DeSosa, De but, like, anybody with a brain knew he wasn't going to play this year. Like, they, like, that was, did, did that you was not, made pretty evident with all of the allegations. Like, I, honestly, they gave him, like, the two-year, like, uh, you know, 
ineligibility, so he can come back his like senior year or some something stupid. And I just saw that, and it's like, on one hand, it's like, well, that's rough, you know, like then. But then on the other hand, it's like, I'm surprised they let him play at all. Like the fact yeah, he was on the up. team, I thought this would be over. I didn't think it'd be something going in the season people would worry about. The big thing that affected them wasn't just who they lost, but it was that you have these young guys, and they're all uh, talented guys. How will they develop over the year? And you haven't seen a lot out of them. You've seen uh, they don't have their and the the leadership that's supposed to come from the older guys. You're not getting. Yeah, I mean it's tough because the the older guys you had really the older guys were Deidre Glosson, who's a transfer, so he's there, but he hasn't really played for you yet, so he's still filling it out. And then Legerald Vick, who uh, he's had a leave of absence himself right now. Yeah, he got brought back just because you know they had the spot open, they needed that extra, they mostly needed three point shooting. And, you know, Gerald Vick tried to go pro, didn't hire an agent, but also didn't get drafted, uh, wasn't finding good prospects. And he basically, you know, he had a little uh, sit down with Bill Self where he basically had to promise the moon that he was going to be this great guy, this good teammate, he was going to do everything. And whatever it is, those two don't get along. And it worked early in the season. And then, you know, at some some point in the year, uh, it, it... the leave of absence, they've left it open where it's like it's, it's a family thing. You know, he's, he's going to come back. Uh, but we ain't stupid. Like, that's over. It was it, it was almost over before this year started. And whatever happened uh, is in it. And then you could see a lot of uh, subtweets from Bill Self in press conferences. Like, basically, they, they go on a three-game win streak uh, after Vic takes his leave of absence. Like, we're having fun out here now. It's like, oh, what changed? What, oh, oh is, <laughs> is this fun now? <laughs> so, it's almost as if there was something toxic in the air. So it's pretty obvious. Uh He's he he's done, and from there, the people that are on the team, you know, you get crazy play out of uh, Oche Abaji being a red shirt. Like all of a sudden, is the best player on the team. Like how the hell did that oh, happen? Where did that even come uh, from? I Bill Self was keeping him on the red shirt, so people didn't see how good he was because he was going to go pro in a year. Surprise him, motherfucker! It's like that. He, he's even surprising the kid. He didn't want Ochai to know how good he was because he <laughs> might try to go pro. Get him an agent and be up out of there. So it, you, you see these players. Devon Dotson is a freshman doing really good, but then you get a Quentin Grimes who is supposed to be. He was a lottery pick, and that's gone. Like he's not a lottery pick. He's not going to be this year uh, unless he turns it up in the the in the, to end in the, the season because. Right now, he is not that player, and they needed it. They need they needed him, especially when Vic was, uh, you know, now that he's off the team. But even when he was on the team, they needed Grimes to step up. And there's like moments where you kind of see that player. You see why he was rated so highly. Flashes, but then he doesn't deliver. Nothing. And so right now, you know, you got a team that in at home and good situations they can put it on and do really good Diedrich Lawson is got that the greatest old man game you've ever seen I don't think he's ever jumped off the ground but he also will murder you inside he has all the moves to get around everybody he seems like he's been playing basketball like he's like a 30 year old who lied to get back into college like <laughs> on the AAU team talking about I'm 12 <laughs> so he is really really good but he also as opposed to Doke who brings in that physical presence uh Deidre Lawson's not going to be a five who can guard inside. And that's the thing. Doke is just too strong and too quick. Big man can move. Yeah. If All we got to do now is find somebody to teach him how to play basketball, and he is dangerous. <laughs> Behind him, they got David McCormick, who was going to be baby Doke, and he has had a rough time where he hasn't panned out. So a lot of guys that going into the season, I thought this team was going to be crazy good. Like and not, I, I, I assumed that y'all were going to be um, perpetual overall number two, yeah. uh, only to Duke, and that's just because they're 
their freshman class is and stupid. I even thought with, uh, you know, if you would have told me before the season started that Doak would get injured or Doak wouldn't be able to play for whatever reason. I, I still would have had him at two. Yeah. I, I, I think, Maybe three. I think they fall a little bit, but like, I don't know if I could have imagined them having as rough of a time on the road as they've had because they were having the rough time when Doak was there. They they, they didn't quite so have it. It doesn't really seem like there's going to be that big of a difference. But it, it just not quite that team, which, you know, we're still, it's like, well, it's the difference between being a, you know, 14 straight Big 12 champion and then like second and third in the Big 12. So uh, still not bad. It, it'll be interesting to see how they look going into a tournament run where no real home games, although uh, one of the regionals is in KC this year. Uh, I can't imagine there'll be a three seed that gets put into a regional that's about 30 minutes away from their uh, their home arena. Probably not. Uh, but... The NCAA has done more ridiculous things, so it's quite possible they might just throw them in there. And then it is a home game, and then they, they might be fine, although they, uh, you know, historically, KU has not been dominant in KC despite that uh, uh, proximity factor. Uh, so, you know, it, it is it is interesting to see what they do down the stretch. They have kept themselves in that Big it's 12 it's race. it's KC Mo, and they can feel it. <laughs> that is true. Uh, you it, you don't play well when you're not willing to buy anything. Like you can't replenish yourself. You can't go to like the convenience store. Like no, I'm not buying stuff here. I don't want Missouri stuff. I forget is the old KU football coach Don Fambro who like he lived that life. Like it, some people say it, and it's like yeah, that's a rivalry. But no, he, like he literally like hated everybody from Missouri. Would not ever like he refused to buy anything in Missouri. He would not pay that state taxes because they did not deserve his money. That is respectable. Yeah, that that is a gimmick that I'm really happy to I'm see people I'm just live that. the gimmick. Don't give it up. Uh, we we did get off on the the tangent. We're gonna finish this up real quick talking about uh, we got Bob Craft real quick. We won't say too much <laughs> on it because we do want to talk about a UFC fight coming up that's really exciting. So. Right now, Bob Kraft. Uh, oh my goodness! Charged with uh, two misdemeanor counts of first degree solicitation uh, as part of this uh, prostitution ring they got taken down. As uh, all the memes are saying, Kraft's seventh ring. So proud of that guy, seventh ring. Uh, again, uh, whereas I was saying earlier, how the fuck are people so bad at giving other people money without getting in trouble? True. Um, Robert Kraft makes so much money is the owner of the New England Patriots and of the uh, the Overwatch professional team, the Boston Uprising, and he couldn't just get jacked off for free? He's got, like, a 37-year-old girlfriend, like, his... I think yeah, it, his he, girlfriend's young enough to be dating me. I think, sadly, his wife died, like, Cancer, seven years yeah. ago, and... But, like, yeah, he, he's got this young girlfriend, uh... The idea that he would need to use that. And then, you know, this is kind of where we get to people trying to talk about, you know, who's like, who's the victim here? And like, is it was what he did a terrible thing? And like, I, I, I think it, that sex work should be completely legal. Yeah. However, it's not. And, so. and well, I'm not even worried about that. Like, in my mind, if we're arguing about somebody paying for sex, I think in a vacuum, that is not something that me personally, I think matters. I think to me, I don't care. And it, it, it's in the same realm as like marijuana, where it's like, we know it's illegal, but also it shouldn't be illegal. So I'm not going to get mad at anybody whoever gets in trouble for it. At the same time, when you're in that kind of a position, you have to be more responsible than that. I in that, And that's the thing. It's not, it's not so much about the uh, prostitution. It's that clearly we know what goes into prostitution, which is that 
human trafficking issues, which did come up in this case. Mm-hmm. And as a, you know, he, there are some people that probably don't know that. Like, I, I saw that conversation come up very quickly where people are like, well, how did he know that they were, you know, uh, people that were brought over here uh, illegally and basically, it's not blackmail, but it's being forced to do something in a situation yeah, that you like thought a you were agreeing to want. Indentured servitude. Yeah. Of the worst kind. And... A lot of people don't know that that's what's going on. Well, as a $6 billion man who owns the Patriots, who is deciding to go down repeatedly to a spa in Jupiter, Florida, he had to go there pretty quick. Like He he went there uh, the day of the AFC Championship game, Had was there at like 11 a.m., had to be at, at the uh, Arrowhead at 640. So he's making some plans. You think he would be aware of some of these things and, you know, just that's that's the issue being not to sound crass but you should probably know who's jacking you off man probably uh when when you are participating in this and just putting money towards a it's not that the sex work is a disgusting industry but human trafficking human trafficking you should be aware that that that's part of the deal you gotta know where your money's going like pretending like it's like well you didn't know that's like you you should know you should and even if you didn't know... That sounds like the you, dude who goes, oh, I didn't know she was too drunk. You should have... Yes, the fuck you did. You should ask. You should have checked with somebody. You should get some uh, sources on it real quick. You should you, check it out. Uh, so, yeah, that's the that's the big thing for me is, you know, not not to be on here and uh, try to do a rant the same as the guy who went down to Lawrence City Commission and uh, tried to, you know, talk happy endings into existence. Uh, those are very... More you power to him, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen that, go on YouTube and check out the clip of the guy at Lawrence City Commission meeting... Uh, trying to be pro happy endings, uh, really great stuff. I'm not saying that, but in terms of uh, the mindset I have about the issue, it's like you can't separate the two. So, right. you, you you know, in theory, you can. When we're talking about it in a vacuum, yeah, I am. I don't believe there is anything that like I don't, I don't, wouldn't look down on Bob Kraft because he decided he wanted to pay for sex. I oh, will no, look no, down no, no. on Bob Kraft because he gave money to a organization that was participating in human trafficking. And this idea that I didn't know doesn't hold up. That's not going to fly. That's so, not going to fly. So unless we have and any with that more kind of money, he could have took his rich ass down to the Moonlight <laughs> Bunny Ranch. They'd have showed him a good time. I was going to ask legally. You, I was going to ask you if uh, you had one more one liner before we move on, but you got it in on your own. <laughs> you knew what to do. Uh, next up, we will uh, talk about uh, we, 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 had one topic today where I did not have uh, much uh, knowledge or uh, just wanted to be careful. Uh, this is another one. John Bone Jones facing Andy Smith. I don't know. There's not a whole lot to know about here. It's, well, I it's don't know anything about uh, UFC really. Like I am the casual fan. I feel weird because most things, you know me, like I am the type of person I want to be knowledgeable about everything. I want to be a dick to people and tell them they don't know shit. And so it's really hard, it's to, hard be, to be behind it. I'm a UFC fan who doesn't know enough. And I feel bad because I'm like sitting there and I'm like, I'm that casual now. I'm that. These I'm are that these are the simple facts. Anything. These are simple facts. Um, physically, John Jones is in like the prime of his career. He's he's hitting that sweet spot where physically he'll be able to do whatever the hell he wants to. Um, for two, the only person that's ever beat John Jones is John Jones. Flat out, like he's he's had maybe two fights where it looked like he was like getting worked out a little bit. Uh, Gustafson. Gave him a little trouble uh, with that ridiculous range because Alexander Gustafson's got like a seven and a half foot <laughs> wingspan or something like that. He's a goddamn eagle. Um, Daniel Cormier, who is the the top contender, time and again just gets smacked up by Johnny. The only person that can beat John Jones is John Jones. 
uh, I don't think the dude has a chance. Uh, that was the first thing I wrote down on the list was uh, I don't think he has a chance in hell. I don't know enough to say that, but just uh, from seeing what John Jones is capable of, uh, if, yeah. If and Corm- I mean, dude, dude ain't no slouch by any means, but the fact is John Jones is miles and away the best yeah. light heavyweight. He is easily the greatest light heavyweight I've ever seen. He's arguably the greatest UFC pound fighter. Pound. Yeah. Uh, like, there's not anybody can keep up. And Daniel Cormier, he he himself is putting together a career that puts him oh, in the, as an all timer career. He's, yeah, he's gonna be all, he's a Hall of Famer. He's an all timer. You you hold belts in in two different weight classes. Um, just the physical toll that it takes to go from two hundred five to two twenty five casually, and then you're you're slightly oversized at two hundred five. So you have to worry about the the quickness and nimbleness of some of these fighters, which is how Johnny Jones got on his head. And then you're undersized at heavyweight because you, you traditionally walk around at barely what heavyweight is anyway, where these guys are casually 270 pounds. They, they drop down to 265 for the fight and he is going out there and handling his business. I cannot. And he's a, and he's a, a, a stand-up guy other than when it comes to John, it just brings out the nasty in him. Uh, which is infinitely entertaining uh, just because to see somebody like Daniel Cormier, who is always so cool and collected, just veins coming out of his neck. Like you can see in his eyes, he can't hear you. All he hears is rage. (laughs) All he hears is rage. Um, Yeah. No, I I think this is going to be a very, very one-sided fight. I I would say the only worry that I have is, uh, you know, besides, John Jones getting suspended and the fight not even happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing a bunch uh, of blow and running somebody over or some shit like that. He just fought two months ago. Back, it was uh, right before the new year, so mm-hmm. it was December like 28th, something like that. And so now he's going to fight beginning of March, like that two-month window that is pretty short turnaround. But you know why he's able to fight. do that? He, he didn't get he didn't get hurt in that fight at all. That's that's true that's too. That's how you can tell. You just the fact that how fast this fight turnaround was. Yeah. John Jones is as as much as he frustrates Dana White, that is his baby boy. Yeah. So he would not put John if if he didn't think John was gonna be ready to go in that short of a turnaround, there's no way he because he he why risk the money? If John ends up injured, then you just lose out money on another John Jones ticket. That's true. I it just it's so quick, and he hasn't done that in his career. I mean, the fastest turnaround was actually for that last Cormier fight. So what, like six months or something like that? <sighs> the, the for the Cormier, I think it was three months. I think he it was a quick turnaround for that one. This one, two months is really quick. And with the Cormier fight, I, I don't know how much you know in terms of having the the suspension was him trying to have that quick turnaround and make sure he was in game shape that much quicker. I don't I don't know his regiment and I don't I don't I don't even know the process of how they finally get caught because let's be honest, a lot of them are cheating. Oh. But uh, <laughs> uh, when you look at something like that, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So I, it just seems like it's pretty quick. And you're right, he didn't really get hurt in the last fight, but he also didn't look great in the last fight. Like he outclassed the guy, but like it's not the John Jones that we've seen before with the big layoff in times that he's fought, and then now he is. Maybe you get that ring rust off in the first time. That's that's what I'm thinking happened there. You knock that ring rust off, and then with this quick turnaround, he's he never he never had time to get back out of fight mode. That's fair. So he's he's gonna be hungry. He's got something to prove, and the man is not giving his belt up. It's just <laughs> not happening. So that that'll be a fun fight. I, we'd say more about Anthony Smith, but honestly. 
the, so the kids got the kids got a lot of potential. This is not going to be where he where he makes his mark. Unfortunately, this is a this is a bad time to get out there. And then also, you know, when you talk about like bulletin board material, like he's making a mistake very quickly. The first thing he said was, you know, he wasn't impressed when he watched the the last John Jones fight, and he's like, well, you know, he's not a better wrestler than these guys that I face. He's not a better puncher than these guys. Yeah, yes, he is. Yes, he puts it all together, but he's not this like. You know, just amazing. And first of all, why why would you poke the bear? Why are you why why would you say that out and loud? And then he talked about the idea that like part of John Jones is just kind of like the illusion, and he believes he's better than you, and then the people start thinking he's better than you, and that's how it gets in your head. It's because he but is it's, better than you. But he's like part of John Jones' confidence is the delusion that he's great, and it's like why would you ever say that to John? Jones? Even if it was a delusion, he's about to delusion all over your face. You about to get a spinning back delusion <laughs> out of this conversation? I don't I don't get I don't get the logic there. So, that is. That is not a bear to poke. So that uh, that seems like a, a mistake, and uh, it should be interesting to to see how that fight goes down. That he is, said uh, John Jones isn't as good of a wrestler as the people. He's a better wrestler than anybody you've had to fight so far. He's a better striker than anybody you've had to fight so far, and also. He literally has an eighty-four inch wingspan. Yeah. People do not realize until they actually are standing in front of that man. Them arms are so long. Yep. You are never. I remember uh, when Rashad Evans and John Jones were gonna fight. Uh, Rashad Evans was. Uh, I just watched. Uh, watched John Jones. Who did he take out right before that? I want to say. I want to say Rampage, but he's like at the fight, and he's like, "Oh yeah, blah blah blah." You just get inside the range. Get inside the range because he used to be uh, sparring partners with him. Yeah. And what he realized is that there's nothing inside that range for you but elbows. There is nothing good in there. Yeah. And then if you do go try to wrestle him, you are quickly reminded, oh, yeah, I was one of them JUCO national champion wrestlers, which doesn't sound like the hugest thing, but it is. Yeah. It really is. Um, you've seen his groundwork. The man's never been tapped by no, – I've never even seen him – Really on the on the back end of a submission, yeah. for more than a hot second at any point in time, I I cannot fathom what kind of a game plan it takes. His build his build is almost well, wrong we, for we, the weight class. We saw the game plan for uh, Cormier that like he had a damn good game plan in that last fight. And we, you know, it doesn't count or whatever else. It doesn't matter. The point is by the end of it, Cormier did everything right. Second for second. And then somehow, boom, just kick done. You can't stop it. Like he did everything He's right. You eventually. <laughs> and you know, it's just, it, it's just so crazy. And you know, you talk about like the range and you know, it's like, you can't get in it. Like he, he can keep you at bay. Then you think, okay, I'm gonna win by getting in it. And if you get close enough to it, it's not even just the elbows. Those knees oh, are God. the meanest thing in the world. The knees, <laughs> like, the up John Jones, John Jones striking angles are the reason that Anderson Silva died. <laughs> Cause if not for John Jones, as Chris Weidman said, John Jones gave us the blueprint. The the striking angles don't make sense. Um Taking a little bit of Taekwondo, a little bit of Judo over yeah. the years, and I've never seen anyone move with that kind of just, like you said, that confidence. Yeah. Every one of those strikes is confident. He When he throws that spinning back elbow, he knows he's putting it on your ear. I've, he, when he throws that front kick, it's going to your chin. He has utmost confidence that every one of his strikes is going to land, and his 
his percentage, his percentages yeah. are, are crazy. It's so hard to avoid him. And then if you if you do avoid him, then you end up, you know, going the distance to lose. Yeah. And you talk about the the JUCO wrestler. One of the things that ends up happening when you're not, you know, you get wrestlers who might be better than on the, you know, uh, you know, NCA level. But it's also the job isn't to just be a great wrestler. Like this match doesn't end in a wrestling pin. Yeah, there's no pin. It, it it is knowing you have the skill set to be able to hold your own in a wrestling position and the amazing ability to beat the hell out of your opponent from the wrestling position. His ability, and that's with the long arms, you know, the one of the His things... ground he, and pound is crazy. One of the things he does that's amazing is when you see him in a weird position where normally you try to punch, but you wouldn't have the power, he can deliver a level of power from the most ridiculous striking angles on the ground, like being held down. Hey, he my, will my still knock your head when off. when he, like, he shoulder checks people yeah. in the face. <laughs> like, with that... You play the UFC game. That's yeah. not even an no, option. Not even in there. Like the fuck, <laughs> the shoulder check to the face. First of all, it's rude. Second of all, it's effective. Yeah. That and uh, there's a thing that he does that people absolutely hate. Um, it's considered to be, it's not illegal, but it is dirty. Air quotes here, and it is when he drives that heel directly forward into the front of your knee and lower thigh. Yeah. Um. Because any you know strikes that go against the joints are considered to be like taboo. It's like it's like yeah. targeting the head in football. You're like just don't do it. Yeah. Uh, but he does, and he doesn't give a shit. And by the time the match is over, your knee looks like I don't know a watermelon made love <laughs> to a softball and tried to crawl itself up under your thigh. You can't you can't throw a punch with no legs. It's true, and that is uh, amazing that he's able to do that. He's able to take your your legs out. He's able to strike you when you try to come in. And if you go down to the ground, like, there's no one advantage. When you, like the the I, I I guess I get what uh, you know uh, Smith was trying to say about him. Like it's all around, but it's like don't dare try to turn that into a negative. Like he is too good at each of the right. things for you the to thing ever that find he's the, the worst at. He's still really really yeah. good at. So it, it'll be fun to to watch that fight. I, I kept oh, watch that dude eat. Some I was words. like half looking on here. I believe it's March second, right? Like I, I want to say so. Whatever it is, early March, uh, coming up uh, in a, about a week in a, you know a week from this Saturday. So should be exciting. Uh, I'll probably be at work for it, but I'll definitely have to get off work and immediately uh, find a way to watch it legally. Absolutely legally. Legally. Uh, so that that's exciting. I'm excited for that. Maybe go down to a, a bar or something that I don't want to give a free plug. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so we're not going to say that. That's the only uh, <laughs> bad word on this podcast we're not allowed to say. So do not say that bar's name. Nope. Uh, but uh, that's it. That's all uh, we have. I was really excited to bring you in. This is uh, the good first episode of the Tell Me More podcast with uh, Brandon. Um, just I, I always try to say your uh, rap name. And then I was like, do I say Maverick? Do I say McNasty? Like, what do I put as the middle name when I do it? Like, w what do you want me to have as your official nickname on this podcast? You just want the rap name? Just go with the rap name. It's easy. It, that way you don't you don't run into too much confusion. Is that the Maverick Mick or is that the McNasty kid? I'm probably just going to say Brandon. Yeah, but uh, Brandon Pickens, uh, go and check out. Uh, we had already mentioned it earlier. Go to SoundCloud and check out M-O-T Barefoot. Uh, the Notepad Nomads, uh, re really good album. Uh, and I, 
I wish I had things to, to plug. I wish I was making anything. All I'm making <laughs> is these damn podcasts. Uh, but that's it. That's all for this episode of the my Tell next album. I'll probably uh, probably plug this podcast. That's a good plan. There's just one at the very end. We also need to get you guys to come and make us a theme song. Like that's, Yo, that's what you need to we do. We definitely need to do that. I got like four shows for you to make it, so you guys can get creative with it. Ooh. Uh, so yeah, that's it. That's all we have for this episode of the Tell Me More podcast. Later, Marks. 